Real Estate Coaching Radio, America's number one trusted resource for realtors who demand authentic, real-time coaching. Starring award-winning real estate coaches Tim and Julie Harris. Get ready for unfiltered, full-strength honesty about what is truly working to get you into action and make you money in this new real estate boom. Now to our hosts, Tim and Julie Harris. We're joined today by Joe Wazorek of Dixon Realty in Reno, Nevada. Joe has over 14 years of both real estate and entrepreneurial experience. He's owned multiple successful startup companies, franchises, and real estate investments. In 2015, he sold $22 million in real estate and was recently named top residential realtor in the state of Nevada by Nevada Business Magazine. With coaching, Joe has increased his sales to $32.5 million. Outside of real estate, Joe enjoys Lake Tahoe and hiking the trails of the Reno-Tahoe Basin alongside his wife, Emily, son, William, and golden retriever, Henry. Now, let's welcome Joe to the call as we join our host, Tim Harris. Joe, you named your dog Henry? <laughs> My wife named our dog Henry. She makes all the decisions when it comes to names. Oh, I understand. I understand. Well, we have two dogs named Lily and Ollie, and those were Julie's decisions too. So, Joe, listen, Absolutely. I really appreciate you being on I really appreciate you being on the radio. I appreciate you being my co-host. Uh, let's have a lot of fun. In full disclosure, everyone listening, Joe is a coaching client, so I want everyone to know that. I don't want you skeptics out there to think that, oh, and here's the other thing, Joe. Am I paying you anything to do this radio interview? <laughs> uh, no, I think I pay you, actually. Yes, that's right, you do. Not nearly enough, by the way. <laughs> Which, by the way, leads me to a question I wrote down based on the introduction. Um, you have had a 50% increase and revenue this year, um, what's, what are the three things that you've done year over year that have caused you to have such a dramatic increase in revenue? Because you went from, you know, where I said I should say sales volume, but obviously that translates to revenue. I mean, last year you did about right. 600000 and this year you're doing about a million. That's a huge right. increase. So, so what, what would be the three things? And remember, we want to give tactical, practical information these guys can take action on. So what would be the three things? Absolutely. Uh, one would be, I uh, want to say I stopped chasing my tail. By that I mean I stopped chasing all of the, uh, the, the manufactured leads. Um, I realized I was spending way too many hours trying to manufacture business when I had it sitting right in front of my face with my sphere of influence and actually just working a lot smarter, chasing after, uh, you know, expired, FISBO, things like that at the urging of my coach. Um, that would be number one. Number two, um, I hired a full-time assistant this year. Uh, she came on full-time in about April. That allowed me to go focus on things that make me money and uh, kind of turn over the, the tasks that don't. Um, and then number three, uh, just as with anything, the better job you do, the more you grow. Um, you know, everywhere I go, everybody knows that I'm in real estate. That's what they want to talk about, and that's my uh, – that's my full-time gig. I wrote down two questions. The first thing you were talking about was buying leads, right? Mm-hmm. That's what you were talking about. And if I remember correctly, Correct. you were buying a lot of leads. You had fallen prey to a lot of the typical scenarios that most agents are doing right now with buying leads. Walk me through that sort of mental process of being a typical agent who thinks they have to buy leads to having the realization that, there's leads are frankly abundant and there's never any reason to have to really pay for them because they're, you know, 
everywhere. Walk me through that. Was that an easy process for you? Or, or maybe start with why were you buying leads to begin with? And then, you know, how did you come to the realization that you didn't have to buy, buy leads anymore? Was that a hard decision, easy decision? So whatever comes to mind. Absolutely. So I started really, uh, I started in the business in 2010. Uh, and anybody that was in the business back then, especially on the Western states, especially in Nevada, knows that you had to have buyers because the banks were basically giving away everything they could to sell houses. Um, mm-hmm. My thought was, if I can find buyer leads to help me shop them into houses, great. So I went down the list and contacted the Zillows, the Trulios, you know, all the, the triple-headed monsters as we know, and <laughs> gave them all my credit cards and then got contacted based off that. Next thing I know, I have about a $90,000 a year uh, buying habit when it came to leads. Um, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of how that, that started. To get off of it was probably the hardest thing to do because I did have success from it, but it also meant I was working 80 to 90 hours a week, of which 20 to 30 hours a week was wasted. Um, and then it's pretty simple. You put it on a spreadsheet, figure out where's my time being spent, where's my energy being spent, where's my money being spent, and you will learn real quick that that's not the, uh, the best way to maintain a business. So we have a lot of listeners who are at the point where it's, you know, at the time of year when they start looking at their expenses and they start saying, I love what you said, by the way, a $90,000 a year buying habit. Isn't that the yeah. truth? So they're, they're, some of them kept track of their expenses. Some of them know how much they spent on their, you know, buying buyer leads, buyer habit. Um, others are going to come to the realization as they start doing their books in preparation for taxes next year, and they're going to realize what we've been telling them for years, that buying buyer leads is not a future uh, that you need to uh, – there's no future in it, really. If you want to build a real estate practice, you want to have an actual profitable real estate practice, you're going to need to learn to generate the leads yourself. But you said something very important. You said it was very difficult. Now, was it difficult for you to break from the habit to go cold turkey? Did you go cold turkey? Did you string them out? Like, did you just cancel them slowly? But was it a psychologically difficult decision or or what? Walk us through what you mean yeah. by that. Absolutely. So it was all of them. So what I did was started uh, going through my spreadsheets to see what is the lowest ROI that I had. Uh, of those, they got, they got chopped right away. Um, some of them I was still on contract, didn't care, paid out my contract. I'm not going to waste my time chasing after, you know, leads. Hey, Joe. Never... Yeah. Joe, I'm, I, I, as we said prior to the show, I don't want to leave anything on this. I want to leave everything on the yeah. field. You said something really good there. I want the listeners to get it. You just you just said it because I know what you mean, and you, you know we got to remember that not everyone else understands. So you said you went through, you made a spreadsheet of all the companies you were buying leads from, and then you figured out what the return on investment was for those various leads that you were buying. How did you do that? What was the process to go about doing a real good drill down on on what was working and what wasn't? It's fairly simple. Look at all your closed transactions that you've had in the calendar year, um, whether you're a June to July person or you're a January to January to December like I am, and um, See how many you closed off of each lead source. See what you spent for the year. Figure out what it made you in GCI, you know, and then whatever deal you have, and then figure out if it's worth it or not. That's pretty much Real it. Simple. You know, everyone talks Real about simple. return on investment. Everyone talks about return on investment. What we talk about is profit on investment, mm-hmm. because return on investment actually covers up that concept. Covers up really what matters. What matters is how much profit you make because it's from the profit from selling houses that you actually then can reinvest and create wealth for yourself. But if you're just looking purely on return, and if you say, and this is Joe giving you credit here because I know this is what you did. If Joe says, for example, I spent 
you know, $20,000 with X company. And X company, you know, I sold three houses and I made $30,000. Well, I made, hypothetically, I made profit on that. Well, or I, I made, you know, I made a good return on my investment. So if that's always, if that's his only rule, the return on investment looks like it wasn't horrible. But then if he factors in the amount of time that he had to spend chasing the leads, the amount of all the other, you know, bad leads and the, all the, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you've been doing this for any amount of time, when you go through the process and you look and you start valuing things and you start looking at things through profit on investment, that's a Tim and Julie Harris original right there, but that is really what matters. If you look at profit on investment, that's where you start basically seeing the truth about the buying buyer leads. So it was painful because you had to admit to yourself what? Two things. One, I've wasted money, which I hate doing more than anything. And the other one was, hey, I really don't need these things. It's kind of hard to admit that to yourself. It is. And it's because you're having to admit that you are – so to every, listeners, listen, everyone's going through – should be going through this process now with regards to the buying buyer leads. So I'm going to give you guys a little bit of runway here so emotionally you don't feel like you made a mistake. I'll suggest to all of you that at one point buying buyer leads was actually a great uh, move. We talked about it on the radio yesterday. At one point buying buyer leads, you could get them cheap. You, you know, they were, they were you know, motivated. That was just a totally different ball game. So opposed to feeling bad and feeling like you made a mistake buying the buyer leads in the first place, you probably didn't at the time. But that doesn't mean that things don't change. I mean, the old saying, well, I mean, it's not a saying outside of our business, but when the going gets tough, the smart leave. So if you're finding yourself in a situation that doesn't work for you anymore, the ego doesn't want you to admit that it's not working anymore. Fight against that and move beyond that because on the other side of it, in Joe's case, you know, is a million dollars a year in income. So when you decided to cut off the buyer leads and you decided to cut off the actual, you know, lead flow that was coming from these different sources – then you had to face the cold, hard reality that you have to do something to fill that chasm. You have to generate your own business. You're going to have to start learning some skills. Am I laying this out correctly? 100% correct. We'll talk about that. So uh, I was more of a, a passive wait-and-see kind of guy. Um, the reason I hired the lead sources was because you know they, they did what would be the dirty work, which is whether it's SEO or whether it's uh, attracting an interested buyer, and then we just cultivate it. I wasn't hunting. I wasn't hungry. I wasn't, I wasn't really a salesperson. I was more just kind of an order filler in a way. Um, I had great numbers. I was making a lot of money. Seems pretty easy, but you know, something had to give. So uh, at the urging of my coach, I decided to try this thing called uh, prospecting. Um, you know, we all have that little voice in our head that says, no one wants to talk to us. It's not true. If you can create value, everyone wants to talk to you. Um, well, for example, well, well, let's come on. Let's give you some credit here. Last week, sure. if I remember correctly, or it was the week before that. My days blend, but you literally <laughs> set a listing appointment. You literally set a listing appointment every single day. Am I remembering correctly? That is correct. Okay, and if I'm remembering correctly, every listing you went on, and the listeners, you can be skeptical all you want, but just hear Joe out because he's going to give you some really great information. Every listing you went on, you took. You had a hundred percent success rate, correct? 100% correct. And here's what is really exciting. Those were real competitive listings. Those weren't listing appointments with your brother, your mother, your center of influence, <laughs> somebody, you know, a softball listing. That was you competing against the two other top agents in the community, correct? That is 100% correct as well. Okay. So 
where you did that was not how the expectation you had previously with listings. In other words, when before you were working with a lot of buyers, listings weren't right. primarily your focus. You pivoted to be more about listings. And then even then your expectation was you'd get like 50% of the appointments you went on. Why did that change? Uh, Cause I actually went in with a plan. So uh, before hmm. I would go in and do the typical, you know, take, let's take a look at the house, tell them how great I am talk about how nice their house is, and they always end with how great I am. Um, that wasn't, that's not a plan. You know, that's the typical, uh, I don't know what I'm doing. I hope you like me, and please sign here. <laughs> that never works well. So you know, now it's pretty, it's pretty dang easy. You just follow, follow the blueprint that's already there for you. PLPs, drop it off. Uh, while you're doing that, you run your CMA, you run your introduction, you're good to go. By the time you show up, after they have already reviewed a, uh, an agreement, they're re- pretty much ready to sign. So at that point, you just find out their needs, make, them, make sure you satisfy their needs, and they're ready to sign. So listeners, here's the, it really does come down. It's as simplistic as what Joe said. It truly, truly is. You know, Joe, here's a funny question. When you were first exposed to the overall listing system and how essentially simple <laughs> and elegant it can be, did you believe it was true, or did you think it was no. BS? Did you say, oh, no, no I way is that BS easy? And I, I thought it was BS, mm-hmm. and I actually thought, what the, what the heck did I get myself into? You thought, well, there's no way it's this easy. There's no way listing houses. Listing houses is supposed to be like learning, you know, to build satellites and stuff, there's, right? I mean, isn't that what <laughs> all agents think, that it's some sort of, you know, right? 100%. 100%. We have to be the best, the best the, with this cutting edge, and we have to do our song and dance, and that's not what they want to hear. It isn't. Um, guys, working with buyers is physical labor. This is something Julie came up with. And working with sellers is mental labor. It's, you know, intellectual labor. And the physical labor, there's a limit to how much effort you can put out because just, there just is. Um, mental labor, what happens is after you learn the process, after you learn what to say, how to say it, you do the same thing over and over again, there is no limit. It's scalable. You can scale mental labor. You cannot scale physical labor, meaning – you can send out multiple PLPs. You can send out. You can do multiple listing presentations and have a consistent result every single time. It really. I don't want to go through the whole listing process, guys, but it really is very, very straightforward. Existing coaching clients, you guys who are members of our coaching program, do yourself a favor. Stop doing your hillbilly hybrid version of the listing process <laughs> and just follow it. Well, because you were doing your hillbilly hybrid version, weren't you? Hundred percent guilty of the hillbilly. <laughs> You were doing the hillbilly. So why were you? Why did you do that? Why did you resist being pure with the presentation? Uh, because there's that, that part of your ego that says that you have to uh, show your value and show your worth because you go in there thinking, hey, they didn't sell it last time. They already hate realtors. Realtors are the same. Everyone hates them, yada, yada, yada. i got to show them why I'm different, and that's not true. Right. Well, it's because your focus the, – the different – our approach, the approach that you're taking is – focusing on what matters most to the seller, not what you want to talk about to, about you. And you're essentially, it's a questions-based thing. But guys, here's the big takeaway. Your uh, listing process should be more or less completed by the time you get there the first time. There's not a two-stop listing. There's not anything like that, though sometimes you want to do a two-step. For the most part, if you follow the process, if you pre-qualify the seller, if you send the pre-listing pack over like we asked you to do it, and if you show up and you do the presentation like we asked you to do it, you will find that the listing process is more or less stress-free 
All the points of contention are removed. That's the point of our process. No questions really about the commission, no questions about the term of the listing, no questions really about the listing price, no questions about the marketing plan, no questions about all the things that you guys kind of BS your way through now with sellers. It's all laid out ahead of time in the PLP. The magic of the pre-listing pack members, and those of you like Joe who are actually using it at the highest level, is that the seller not only appreciates the fact that you took the time to put something together, but you've removed the stress from the listing presentation. You've made it so that they don't have to ask questions that they don't want to ask because it puts tension in the room. The pre-listing pack covers all the questions that they did have and all the questions that they may have had. So when you're there, it, the nature of the listing appointment is totally different. You're not having to do the shell game. You know, you're not having to do a song and dance. Well, there's a song and dance, but it's not something that's contrived. It's very systematic. So as I was just blathering on there, Joe, what were you thinking? <laughs> you're, you're 100% correct once again. Um, you know, it's it's funny because you think my appointments used to be an hour to an hour and a half long, and then now they've been condensed down to about 20 to 25 minutes because by the time I get there and we have them to grab their PLP, they've got notes on it, and I know it's it's a slam dunk at that point. What surprised you the most about using the pre-listing pack? What, what would be the thing that you would have, when first looking at it, you would have thought, this is total and complete crap, and then it blows you away that it works like, the, like we say it works? What would be the thing? Is there a thing or several things? I think the biggest part that I was resistant on was putting any of the commission structures or the flexible fee schedules uh, in any literature I have because I automatically assumed if they see a 6% or a 7% like I have on mine that they're going to say, oh, nope, go into uh, – ABC Realty because they're a lot less. That hasn't happened one time. No, so here's the magic of the flexible fee, too, because I promise you there's skeptics out there that are listening. Oh, my God, Tim and Jillian are telling agents to cap their commission. No. <laughs> and he, actually, here's the, quite, the exact opposite. When you use the That is what they sound like, by the way. When you use the flexible fee commission structure, your commission, generally speaking, goes up. You, you can start charging, and I know some of you guys in California, this is just a fantasy, and you think I'm making it up. But in lots of parts of the country, guys, you can charge 7%. And when you charge 7%, wait for it, wait for it, 4% goes to the listing agent. Or in some cases, if the typical co-op is 2.5%, you can actually take 4.5% on the listing side. Is it 3% or 2.5% co-op in your market? What's standard? Uh, we're 3. 3, okay. Being, well, three, still, being driven down to 25 so. Right. So in the past year, growing as much as you have, making, you know, selling so many more houses, you know, working with so many more people, what, is, what, have been, what have been like the two biggest behavioral changes? We talked about some of the, you know, things you had to put in practice, but from a personal perspective, what are the things that you've had to change the most? I want a heck of a lot more disciplined. Um, mm. You know, before I would just hit the phone ring, I would go. You know, now I'm a lot more um, protective of my schedule and of my time especially on the personal side of things. Um, you know, Tim, as you know, since you, you know I'm a coaching candidate, I have a, a very, very busy life. My wife is a full-time, uh, she works full-time and has hobbies, so we're always on the go and trying to get everything done. Uh, this year, the one big thing for me has been I actually have balance in my life, uh, something I thought was kind of a joke of the industry that we would all say, what do you want in life? I want balance in my business. You know, it can actually happen if you make it a goal and if you use discipline. Um, to not answer a phone call at 8 o'clock at night like I used to is probably the single greatest thing that I ever, do, I ever did for my life, especially professional career-wise. Um, what can I take care of at 8 o'clock at night that I can't take care of at 8 o'clock in the morning? 
that's the philosophy and I tell clients that before I take a listing, I tell it with buyers, I tell everybody that. Everybody knows that about me. That's been the single greatest thing to me. I appreciate that. And that freedom and that control and that confidence comes from being a listing agent. You really can't operate like that as a buyer's agent because of the nature of how buyers act. So the, mm-hmm. the, one of the biggest shifts you've made is saying that's going to be the sharp end of my stick is being a listing agent. Is that a true statement? That's a true statement. So the mindset of a listing agent is is different than, say, the mindset of a seller's or a buyer's agent. You talked about a schedule. You talked about discipline. Were those things necessary to become a kick-ass listing agent like what you've become? Yes, 100%. Talk about that. What does that mean? So, what, is it, what does discipline and a schedule mean? Drill down. Let's give these guys some actual useful down. information. Absolutely. So what would I do on every single day? Um, as soon as I get to the office, I start my to-do list for myself and for my full-time assistant. And then at uh, 8 o'clock now, which this is, this is something that just changed about two or three weeks ago at the Urgent View, uh, that's when I do my prospecting calls because that's my least favorite part of the day, as anybody that wants to do it or has to do it knows it's never the most enjoyable part. Uh, until you have success, then it's great. Um, and then after that, my assistant gets to the work. We have our, our meetings daily to lay out my expectations for the day, and then we take on the rest of the day. So doing what you don't want to do, listeners, you know this one, right? Doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it at the highest level. That's what you just described, your morning schedule. And I loved how you had the, your dramatic sigh, by the way. I don't know if listeners, you heard that, but Joe went, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> uh, prospecting. And, and you know what, Joe, I love your honesty, too. You said, I don't like to prospect. Well, guess what? I have only had a handful of coaching clients ever that like to prospect, but they love it when they get the results. And then the whole, your whole world changes. Your mindset about it changes because you realize what you're really doing is creating a real you know, nice financial future for yourself. So the, sketch, the, the prospecting, the picking up the phone, the doing what you don't want to do when you don't want to do it, considering you had this long history of being addicted to buying leads, how long did it take for you? How much did you struggle actually crossing that bridge? And I, I'm asking that question, and I want you to be as, it, as comfortable as you feel or as personal as you feel because that is, the big, that is the big obstacle to a lot of these guys. It is obviously, truthfully, logical what we're talking about. There's no question – that what, you're t- what you and I are talking about right now is something that all these guys need to be doing. But going from this addiction to going from being sober to going from basically creating your own future off your own wits, that's where these guys get stuck. So walk them through the process of what it took for you to actually cross that bridge. Uh, it, was pretty, uh, it was pretty sobering because when you go to pick up that, that first phone call and start doing it, of course you're in, t- in your head you're going, well, what do I say? What if, they don't, what if they don't want to talk to me? What if they don't like me? Um, it takes a good 60 days and for a lot of people they may kind of chuckle but at that point you should have your habits established uh it doesn't take that long to establish a habit as we all know and you just make it part of your routine um there are times where i'll make a phone call and i'll still him and ha and stutter and stammer and you know kind of uh laugh at myself after and go well that didn't go well and guess what oh well pick up the phone and call again what was the thing that you thought – what were you resisting the most as far as the actual picking up the phone? What was the thing that you thought was going to be the hardest to overcome that turns out it wasn't once you started doing the work? Uh, it was actually finding a way to uh, get them to meet with me. That's probably a 100 times easier than I could have ever imagined. <laughs> exactly. You mean saying, so Mr. Seller, would 5 o'clock or 5.30 be better for you? I'm already going to be in the area. Are you saying that super that Jedi mind trick script? <laughs> I did that mind trick script. I'm doing it today at 12 to 12:30 on another million dollar listing. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. Are you so you? How many did you set today? 
Uh, today I have three set. That's incredible. So listeners, here's the here's the takeaway. This time of year, truthfully, any time of year, killer time to go after the business. I get the question occasionally, Joe, if Tim, if you if all of a sudden you guys decide you didn't want to be coaches anymore and you want to get back in the real estate business and you wanted to start selling real estate again, what would you do? I would do exactly what Joe is doing. Frankly, I would do what I Julie and I have coached all you guys to do. Definitely focus on being listing agents. This time of year, this type of changing market, your market might be different, but I would the expires, man, those are the low-hanging fruit. First, let's give, these, let's give these guys some secrets, and hopefully no one from your market's listing, okay, Joe? Got so it. if anyone in Reno's listing, you can hang up now. Um, <laughs> call on the first day of the month and the last day of the month, because for some reason that's when most agents set their listings to expire. The absolute super golden times to call are going to be over uh, holiday weekends that also are the first day and the last day. So there's a handful of them throughout the year. Um, some of them are obvious, not some of them aren't so obvious. Like for example, assuming in your market they celebrate Halloween on Halloween, and other some markets they don't. But that would be an example. So the 31st and November 1st, those would be like times when you'd see the most expired. Now, why do you call on holidays that are the first and the last days of the month? Because everyone's home because it's a holiday, and generally speaking, your competitors won't be working, so you'll be the only call that they get. So what was harder than you anticipated it being with, with essentially crossing this bridge from and breaking your addiction? Um, what was harder? The hardest part was honestly just picking up the phone and just making it part of my routine. Um, I think you'll remember about 30 days ago, we ran down my, uh, my daily schedule, and I talked about drop-offs, gym times, all this, and you just started laughing. You go, you're doing it again. You're making excuses, trying to get yourself out of calls. Um, just switched my gym time from – 8 o'clock in the morning to 2 o'clock in the afternoon, just flip-flopped them, and then now I do it. Um, the hardest part, honestly, was putting it in a schedule and making it part of my daily routine. Is it ever easy to do the work? No. Or do you always have to talk yourself into it? Uh, I, unfortunately, always have to talk myself into it. I did, too, when I prospected. I did. I always did. You know, and there's psychologically, guys, there's different ways you can talk yourself into doing it, making it easier. But here's the real bottom line, and, and you know, this will save you from the learning curve and trying to explore your mindset and looking for your big why. Because by the way, the big why is a big why. But here's your focus: just do the work. When you do the work, when you get into action, what happens is your emotional state will change. Listeners, please, I beg you to hear what I'm saying. Do not wait to feel like doing it because you'll never feel like doing it. <laughs> Ever. Okay? You'll never feel like doing it. Don't wait to feel like doing it. You'll feel like doing it when you start doing it. Now, it might take a while. It might take three or four contacts. It might take three or four months. But what will happen is you'll start feeling. Your emotional state will follow your physical actions. Please remember your coach told you that. Joe, am I overstating that importance of that sort of, you know, understanding that about our, our nature? No, not at all. Not at all. So listen, as we round the bend on today's radio show, hopefully you guys got a lot out of it. You can do it. You know, you've, I think everyone listening can relate to Joe. You guys are all at one, most of you, especially if you've only come in the business since the last, you know, seven or eight years, you think buying buyer leads is, an, is, is, ne- is necessary. And I'm here to tell you that it's not. Joe's increased his revenue this year, his actual in his pocket. Well, here's a fun question. Since you're not buying buyer leads anymore and since you broke that addiction a little less than a year ago, how much as a percent, Joe, how much more profit have you made this year? 
ooh, that's a number I haven't ran, but I would honestly say it's going to be about a 30 to 40% increase based upon I, uh, total sales and expenses, if not more. Well, I bet you, and yes, that's your homework, and have that ready for our next coaching I know. Call, but I, I bet you. I just wrote it down because I know that's going to come up I know. on Wednesday. Well, so here's what I'll, uh, I'll tell you what you'll discover. All the money in addition to, like, so you went from 600 to uh, basically a million. All that's probably profit. All that's profit. In addition to that, the money you had been spending on buyer leads, that's also profit. So your real estate right. practice, I bet you you're going to discover you're running a 55 to 60% before tax net after business expenses. That's what you'll discover. And that's what I discover with most of our coaching clients. And, guys, he has one assistant. And his average sale price isn't that high. He's in Reno, Nevada. So he's not selling like $3 trillion properties. These are mostly normal sale price stuff. You can do it too. Follow Joe's model. Stop resisting. Stop looking for the easy buttons. Joe, when you get one of these solicitations from one of these easy button sellers, and you get them all the time, the emails, the phone calls, the mailers, the good Lord, what else are they doing? Are we still there? Joe? Yep, I'm here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you were thinking of a really good answer, I'm sure. So how do you avoid the temptation of the easy button? Uh, I just know not to do it now because everybody will get 10 calls a day, and everyone's got this great system and this and my competitors, and they always miss, you know, uh, pronounce their names just like they do mine, which means they don't really have contracts with them, and I don't care because I just I know that my business is healthy now. You know, I'm not a, uh, a lead addict like I was before. Um, I just, just say no, you know, just steal a quote from, uh, you know, Nancy Reagan in the 80s, just say no. <laughs> yes, and um, because you have the ability to take listings, because you have the ability to take mm -hmm. a lot of listings, because you can break free of the buying buyer leads, listeners, please give yourself that same gift. Here we're rounding the bend on 2016. Now, just if you're listening to this 10 years from now, it's 2026. This information is still relevant, I promise you. But as we round the bend <laughs> on today's radio show, as we're rounding the bend on this year, you guys got to finally get to the point where you're going to be thinking and acting like Joe. Look, it's not going to necessarily be easy. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to tell you what you want to hear. I'm not going to say there's an easy button. There isn't. But on the other side of the mental bridge that you have to cross, you're going to make serious bank. Isn't that why you got in the real estate business? So, Joe, anything else you'd like to say to these guys as we round the bend on today's show? No, the only thing I've really got to say is if you're thinking about doing it, just do it. It's, uh, it's never easy to make the calls you don't want to make. You know, prospect if you don't want to prospect, but get off of the, uh, the, uh, the manufactured leads. You know, once your business is healthy, it's, it's a phenomenal feeling. It is. It is. It's, and then you have your freedom. Then you have control. Then you can say no. When you, when you generate, you don't have to tolerate. And, Joe, listen, right. I really appreciate you being my co-host today. I have a lot of fun coaching you personally, guys. Joe's one of my coaching clients, as I disclosed at the top of today's radio show. So use this information. Joe, if they want to send you a referral, if they want to contact you directly, do you want to give your contact information now? But I warn you, 158,000 people are listening, maybe even more. <laughs> so be cautious of that. But, yeah, how, they, how can they send you business? Uh, it's very easy. Uh, it's joew at homeisnevada.com. That's the uh, best way to get a hold of me is always via email. Perfect. joew at – what was the last bit again? Homeisnevada, and it's all spelled out, .com.
That's perfect. Joe W at homeisnevada.com. So, guys, reach out to Joe. Look for some inspiration. Please don't waste his time. He's got to get on the phone and take some serious listings. Joe, how many listings are you trying to get to by what time, by what date? What's the magic number? Uh, we're going to try and do 35 by January 1st. Oh, try. hate that word. We're going to get oh, to 35 by January 1st. Isn't that what you just said? Yes. Well, I have to you say just try because we keep selling them all, so my active listing is Well, that's what's supposed to happen. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. You keep you're throwing me these numbers, and I have to uh, just keep replacing them, which is a great feeling. Yeah, well, it's called making money. So, listeners, we really appreciate you. We really appreciate you uh, listening today. Please share this radio show with as many other people as you can. Joe is a one- wonderful inspiration and an example, guys. He's come up during the probably hardest time in the real estate industry. He's crossed a lot of the bridges that a lot of you've had to deal with. He's had a lot of the mindset issues a lot of you've had, and he's shown you now if you're willing to listen, skepti- set your skepticism and your let's just be call it what it is. You're looking for the easy button, lazy tendencies aside. You can do what Joe's done. You can replicate what he's done. And we were not overstating the simplicity of the system once you are disciplined enough. And frankly, if you set your ego aside to follow it, you will reproduce his results. Guys, this is what it's all about. You are in the right place at the right time. I don't care what direction your market's going. I don't care what the economy does. I don't care what the new president does. I don't care. doesn't matter. You are in the right place at the right time. Now it's up to you to take the right actions. In the meantime, we'll talk with you on the radio tomorrow. Thanks, Joe. This program has been a presentation by Tim and Julie Harris, Real Estate Coaching. For more information on our real estate coaching and training programs, visit our website at timandjulieharris.com. Remember to tune in weekdays at noon for upcoming shows. And until next time... Thank you for listening to Real Estate Coaching Radio with Tim and Julie Harris. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.